What up, brawlers? Welcome back to Throwing Hands. And we got a good episode today. Daniel's here, but we have MMA junkies John Morgan on. John, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course, of course. And on Throwing Hands, we always start off with, how'd you get your start in journalism in your career? Yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, uh, I was always, like, very involved in sports as a kid. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was decent, I guess, but realized that at one point in time, look, hey, I'm not going to be a professional athlete. That's certainly not going to happen. But um, I still wanted to be involved in sports, you know, and, and I loved writing. And, um, you know, this was – I'm a little bit I'm a little bit older uh, in my mid 40s here. This is back in the day when you could actually be just a writer, you know. Now now you got to do multimedia everything, but uh but yeah, it was like, man, I want to do sports writing. I think that'd be great. So, I uh, went to school for that. Didn't do it for a long time because I ended up putting myself through school uh, in the restaurant business and and uh, ended up making more money in the restaurant business for a while, but got to a point where I was just like, man, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to do this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm happy with it. But I wanted to do was be a sports writer. And so, uh, reached a point where I was like, let's just give it a shot. You know, let's walk away from the restaurant business, roll the dice. Um, and I'd always been passionate about MMA, man. I, I really, I was an MMA adopter from the very beginning. Uh, I mean, the first UFC I ever attended was UFC 16 way back in the day. Um, so I, you know, I, I'd watched from the start and, uh, and wanted to be involved in that and gave it a shot took a chance, uh, got an internship with MMA junkie. And that turned from, from free work to part-time, part-time to full-time. And here we are 15 years later. Uh, what about MMA when you were first getting started was so appealing about it? What, what made this, what you wanted to make a career out of? You know, it's funny. I mean, I honestly never thought about it as a career in the beginning. It was just something I liked. I mean, I, heck, in the beginning, it, it wasn't a, an industry, you know, the way it is now. It was just a spectacle. Um, and it's funny, man. When you go back and watch, like, the early UFCs, you know, you go back and watch, like, UFC 1, UFC 2, it's like, this stuff is brutal, man. <laughs> like, what, what, did, what, did I, what did I like about it? But, you know, what I always did like was just – the pureness of the competition. I mean, I, you know, I always liked martial arts to a degree, uh, but you know, we, in, until Brazilian Jiu Jitsu came around, Gracie Jiu Jitsu, you know, we all thought karate was, was, uh, you know, superior striking arts, that sort of thing. It was actually Muay Thai was something that I really liked at a young age. So I, I, I like the pureness of that competition. I mean, you know, stick and ball sports are fun. Um, you know, I played them all growing up, you know, baseball, basketball, soccer, uh, and, and uh, soccer is still probably my second favorite sport, to be honest with you. Um, but to the, the pureness of it, man, it's just, it's it's one on one competition. That's it, and there's a there's nobody to blame that that, that played the position wrong. Their teammate, you know, whatever. They, no, no, no. It's on you. You're the one that's got to get out there and do it. And then there's something about there that that, that really appealed to me. And and uh, and people, you know, taking the time to, to to study all these arts and 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 to be willing to get in there and compete. So you you get into the business about 15 years ago. How has content evolved in the MMA world? Because you know things you can now monetize anything it seems like so how has content evolved from how you when you started about 15 years back to now 
Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's this is a night and day, man. It's not even the same thing anymore. Like I said, like you know, when I when I joined, I just liked writing. I like telling stories. I mean, it's it's funny. Um, th- that's the part of it that I was most passionate about. And it's probably what I do least of today, to be honest with you, is, is writing. You know, now everything is obviously skewed towards, you know, video and, and, and bringing people there, which, which I like. I mean, I think it's cool because, you know, certainly you get to see people and you get to hear from them directly. You don't have to wait to go through, you know, a writer's words and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, every, everything is geared around like multimedia stuff at this point, you know, audio, video, especially social media, you know, you, you get that all the time. Hey, let's make it short let's make it quick you know let's let's uh shorten it down a little bit so yeah it's it's night and day from where it was you you used to be able to be a specialist like i said i mean i i got into this because i wanted to be a sports writer you can't do that anymore now you got to be a you know a sports writer a a podcast host a a video editor uh you know on-camera personality i mean you got to do everything so um it's it's uh it's it's night and day now so you so what are some of your best experiences that you've had covering the UFC over the past 15 years? Oh man, I've been so fortunate, man. I've, I've, you know, obviously this past, I mean, this past year has been really interesting. I mean, it's been, uh, you know, dealing with sports and COVID it, 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 it's pretty, I guess in some ways it's cool to be able to document something that's truly historical. You know what I mean? Sometimes I like to joke about, you know, what, what sports media really does on a day-to-day basis. I mean, for the most part, we cover a game. Um, but this was really interesting, you know, this past year, you know, being on the, on the edge, you know, being in Jacksonville, Florida and seeing the UFC being the, the, you know, the, the first professional sports organization back and seeing how they handled everything. And then of course, you know, the trips to fight Island and, and that whole experience was just insane that stuff was pretty interesting and cool in a certain way, but it's also like been kind of scary. You know what I mean? Obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's, 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 it's intriguing to see, but obviously, you know, we're out there when, 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 you know, the recommendation is to be quarantined. So, so it's, it's been, you know, kind of a double-edged sword, but before that, you know, back before the pandemic, man, I had been fortunate to travel all over the world. You know, some of the, you know, the, the rowdy crowds down in Brazil, man, you know, the Uvai Morera chants and, and, and the passion there and, uh, you know, get an opportunity to, to, to see, you know, the big stadium shows that we had been to all around the world, you know, going over to, to the far East. I mean, going to Saitama super arena for the first time was big for me. Uh, but man, I've just, I've been forced to see a lot of cool things and, and, and take part in events all over the world. So with, with multimedia, as you mentioned, th- there had to be a lot of a transition for you because you said when you started out, all you wanted to be was a writer. That's all you wanted to do. What was that transition like having to pick up, you know, on air speaking skills and video skills and all of that? What what was that process like for you? How long did that transition take and how do you think you've grown from it since then? Yeah, man, grown tremendously, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the, I, I guess the first part would be, you know, just, you know, we, we, we hesitated for a long time at MMA Junkie to launch video, to be honest. We were a little slow in getting into the video game. You know, our founder, Dan Stupp, who's no longer with the company, uh, you know, but he was our leader for a long time. And, and uh, he and I worked together a lot. And we wanted to do it right. I mean, we knew we had to get into video at some point, but we also didn't want to be you know, the handy cam in the hallway with crap lighting and the picture shaking and the audio, you know, being crap. And so, you know, we, we were kind of slow to adopt it because neither one of us really knew anything about it. And eventually we were able to bring on some videographers and some resources that have helped us. Uh, Ken Hathaway now, who used to be, uh, uh, who used to work for the UFC actually, and is also my podcast co-host. Um, he heads our video efforts now. I mean, he, he, man, he's got, you know, multiple thousands of dollars worth of gear and, and, and has taught us and helped out 
outfit us with like basic stuff. So, you know, just learning the mechanics of it was tough. And then, and then we got to a point where, you know, I wanted to learn how to edit it and stuff myself. Cause I would say I would travel out on the road and maybe I'd go shoot weigh-ins or maybe I'd go shoot some press conferences or maybe I'd shoot some interviews or whatever. And then I'd have to upload that footage back to, to Kenny or, or, or to somebody else to process all the footage. And I realized like how, how slow that process was, especially if you're on kind of a, a bad internet connection, which you can be when you travel around the world. So then I wanted to learn, you know, how to edit it myself. And uh, I'd never done anything like that in my life. And, and now it's one of the things I do most. So it, it's rewarding in a lot of ways because I feel like I've, I've gained a lot of skills and, and I feel like I know all the aspects of it, but it's challenging. I mean, just photography, like way in photography. I mean, it's silly. I mean, you can use a lot of automatic settings, but over the years, you know, learning how to, uh, you know, get the coloring right to get, you know, to, to, to take some pride in the way those images look because we use those, that art that we take, you know, those way in shots for the longest time, we didn't have action photography. Now, through USA Today, once they purchased us in 2011, we have access to uh, to event photography. But used to kind of those weigh-in images and press conference images were, were all we had. So um, I found it very rewarding. It's been challenging. The on-air stuff, um, it, I, I like. I, I, I say I like it. I like calling fights. I, there's something I've started to do a lot more is calling fights. I, I call Cage Fury Fighting Championships on USC Fight Pass. I've done Tough Enough here uh, in Las Vegas, and, and I really, really enjoy that. Um, I don't know. I've never been like the on camera. I, I want to be the guy holding the microphone. I, I don't know. I never wanted to do that, but you know, got to do what you got to do. So it's, it's been fun. It, overall, I found it very rewarding to kind of learn all those different roles. I feel like it's, you know, kind of bettered me and my knowledge of the industry. Uh, speaking of, you know, the roles, you know, COVID hit, what challenges have you faced with COVID trying to refine your roles in different types of media? Man, it's been tough. You know, like the, the thing that's really been hard for me that's really been noticeable, and we don't get it on Fight Island. It's awesome. In Fight Island, we actually get to do um, in person interviews, which is phenomenal. But, um, you know, I, I don't know how much you guys have seen it, but the UFC switched to, like these virtual media days. And, um, you know, first of all, just the quality of them isn't great. And I feel like the product that we put out isn't fantastic. I mean, we're kind of relying on the UFC's webcam and the UFC's audio, and we can't control any of that. So if, if their lighting happens to be off or their audio happens to be off, I mean, there's nothing we can do about it or, or the Internet connection is bad you're just stuck with it. You know what I mean? So uh, my understanding is this year, the UFC is going to try to move back to, to live media days. But to me, that's been a challenge just from the, the, from the, from the product quality, but it's also been a challenge too of like, I mean, you used to have that insight. You were on, you were there on fight week and, and you'd be around the fighters. Or you'd be around the camps. You'd be around the teams. And, man, you really start to know somebody and you pick up on kind of like nonverbal cues. And, you know, you can really see like, ooh, man, look at that energy level. It's not where it normally is, man. I wonder if he's having a little bit of a rough weight cut or, you know, man, why is, well, you know, why is he kind of in, in a little bit different mood than what we're no normally used to seeing him? And so the past year where we haven't really ha had direct contact with the athletes or direct contact with the teams and that sort of thing, uh, I found it to be a lot more challenging to, to give people, you know, kind of some insight or some, you know, behind the scenes stuff of, of things that I've seen with my own eyes. Sure. I can say, well, you know, this coach told me X, Y, and Z, you know, I can relay that information on, but the thing Things that you used to pick up on with your own eyes uh, have been a struggle in, in the COVID era. That's that's a really interesting point you make because I think it's unique with with the UFC and combat sports really with that where if you're in a in a press conference for say an NFL team you've just got the coach up there and you know you can't tell from what the coach is telling you if if the quarterback who twisted his ankle the week before is really okay or if that questionable tag really means something but uh, in in combat sports and MMA you can really tell 
like you said, from guys' energy levels, how, how was that developing the eye for that kind of thing and picking up those kind of cues? What, what goes into that and what went into that in your career? You know, it's funny, right? Because at the end of the day, I mean, all those things are a little bit intangibles. And, and, and if you get caught with the right hand, even if you had the best training camp and the most energy of your life and all that, like you're still going out. So it's, it's always intriguing to me to like how much stock you've been into it. But look, I think that's an important thing as, as a reporter. I mean, you know, there are some very serious stories in the sport, you know, things about like drug use and, you know, uh, things of that nature that are real stories to follow. But for the rest, we're, we're, we're covering a sport, right? We're covering a game, uh, a very intense game and a game in which people put their physical bodies on the line um but you know those are those are just observations that you make through repetition i mean the first time you interview somebody you don't know but you know after you've interviewed somebody five times ten times you know in the case of a cowboy Cerrone, i mean how many times i've interviewed cowboy Cerrone in his career 30 times 40 times I, I i don't know i mean i've been in front of him a lot and you just start to pick up on those things you know that's 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 your observation as a journalist right is is kind of what you're seeing and and uh, and reading through the lines a little bit and getting you know getting the quotes and the other thing that's amazing about mixed martial arts especially in, in a non-covid time is just the access that we have to everybody is unparalleled in any other sport like you said you know in, in the nfl uh, the players aren't walking around the lobby of the host hotel and, and, and you know, kind of rubbing elbows with you and having a, having little side conversations here and there. And, and, uh, and that does happen in mixed martial arts, even with the UFC. Now, you know, maybe not the very highest level, you know, Conor McGregor is, is, is going to be uh, in a private area of a hotel, you know, on his own floor, probably in a private hotel onto himself or a Mac mansion that he's rented or that sort of thing. So, I mean, there are, you know, exceptions to that rule. Uh, but for the most part, man, the accessibility during non-COVID times is, is phenomenal in mixed martial arts so a week ago uh they brought back one of the live pressers with the ceremonial weigh-ins and stuff and the, the the press conference the day before that was it refreshing getting back to that after you know so many virtual press conferences and stuff like that yeah, it was great. I hadn't been booed from the crowd in a long time. <laughs> so I got to experience that when I when I asked Conor McGregor about the lawsuit that he was facing and if it was distracting from him on fight week. So yeah, that was super refreshing to get booed again. But no, it really was, man. The, the, like you said, the energy of the ceremonial weigh-ins, man, that big stage. I mean, the big presentation that, that the UFC puts in. And it's cool because, you know, we've just been doing these face-offs in essentially like a boardroom you know what i mean there's no it's you know you get that final image which is nice of the, of the two fighters facing off but you don't really get the pageantry and the the electricity and the energy and and we got that again so that was nice and yeah have, have having fans back was fantastic it really was I've, I've seen a little bit about you know i mentioned the the cfsc shows that I do on fight pass and um a couple of our most recent shows we've been able to have only like 150 fans in the building, but it's kind of a smaller building. Um, and, and so it echoes pretty loud and you can hear them, especially because they're cheering for like, you know, their teammates and their family members. They're not just fans. You know, these are people that they really, really know and are really, really connected to. Um, and MMA has been interesting because there are certain aspects of it that I wouldn't say are better without fans, but are they just unique and intriguing without fans, right? Like when we first started having these fanless events and, and you could really hear the coaches, you know, clearly and both team, you know, you could hear both coaches. So now all of a sudden everybody had to really be careful and start speaking in a lot more codes. You know, some teams always use codes, but pretty much everybody had to shift the codes because they realized, oh, my opponent's hearing exactly what's being told. Even, you know, the instructions uh, in the corner in between rounds, normally, you know, you're, you might want to fire 
fire your guy up a little bit. You might want to, you know, have some big energy in front of him. Now you have to keep your voice down and keep it kind of quiet, you know, because you don't want the adjustments to be heard on the other side of the cage. So that's been interesting. Hearing the commentators, you know, seeing the interaction between the commentators and the fighters has been amazing. I mean, um, the hearing the weight of the blows, man, you know, like when you can really hear a strike um, and you're no longer just seeing it, but you can hear the weight of it. I mean, all that's been great. Um, but the energy that the fans bring is, is something special. I mean, I, I think back to, you know, the last fight uh, before the pandemic hit. Um, and, and the main event that night was out of Sandy Romero. It wasn't that great. But you think back to that amazing Zhang Wiley, Yoani, and Jacek fight, man. What an incredible fight that was. And, man, the energy in the building, the, the, the buzz that the fans brought to that, it would have been a great fight without fans. But, man, the, the, the sound that erupted at the end of every single round, the buzz that was in the air, like after they go five hard rounds, and you're like, man, who got it? Did she do enough? I don't know. You know, you can hear, I mean, you literally hear the buzz of people trying to figure it out. Um, I miss that. I miss that. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to, to that being back. Uh, you know, it, it was great to have 2,000, you know, 2,600 in the building the other night for the Conor McGregor fight. Um, and, and those 2,600, they were as loud as they could. But I'm anxious to get back to that sold out 18,000 just big fight feel as as fight commentary live fight commentary has become more of a part of your career how how did that opportunity present itself to you and how did you get into that and make that a big part of what you're doing now yeah, you know, it's it was it's happened on and off over the years. Um, and you know, I did a, I've done and I've done it for a long time here in Vegas at an amateur show called Tough Enough, which is a phenomenal amateur show uh, here in Vegas that actually signed a deal with Fight Pass for for 2021. So I'm excited to see them get that shine. Um, but I've done a little bit of it here and there over the years. And then actually uh, a couple years back, I did a few shows for Titan FC out in Florida. Um, and 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 uh, Kamaru Usman was actually my broadcast partner, and we had a great time. And things were going really well. And then unfortunately. Uh, management at the time um, d- decided to enforce in my contract that it was a conflict of interest. So I had to give it up for a couple of years, which was um, a bummer. It-, it was a bummer. And-, and the way it started, I think, was just, you know, there was there were some local shows and, and uh, you know, I mean, they know that I know this full time and that I do this and, and, you know, and they're like, hey, would you like to come commentate? And it starts out as, you know, kind of like some l- little small gigs here and there and you start to build up the resume. And next thing you know, you know, you're getting some invites from the bigger shows. Um and uh, and yeah, and, and now fortunately, I've been able to work out the contract details with my employers and now I'm able to do it. You know, I, I just have to be careful with the scheduling and, and make sure it doesn't conflict with any of our USC event coverage. But uh, but it, ha- it had a lot of fun. And that opportunity has been great. And that was facilitated by Dave Schaller, uh, who used to be a USC PR guy, went to go work uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers and was actually working with CFSC for a while. So he's the one that actually put that broadcast team together. It's me and CM Punk there. So, uh, man, just the more repetitions you get, the more chances you get. Get to do it you know kind of open some some more doors and uh hopefully more in the future man it's, it's something I, I really enjoy and you know i think you need variety in, in your job i think that's part of it too i mean i enjoy calling the fights but i just think too like i love my job as, as, as a mixed martial arts reporter don't get me wrong not complaining one bit i love it and on fight night there's no place i'd rather be but you know you do the same job for 15 years you want a little variety right you want to change things up a little bit so i think that's that's kind of a big part of it too is just you know kind of another evolution in in, in my role and speaking of evolution, how has you looking at fights and reporting on fights changed since you've been a commentator? Yeah, it's interesting, man, the, the, the way you see things. I mean, you it's it's funny, like what you can share and what you can't share when you're in a writing role versus, you know, the commentators have have 
you know, really direct access to the fighters. And when they're talking to you about things, you know, they're very open about, cause they trust you, right. You know, about game plans and about, uh, you know, things that may be bothering them because, you know, we're asking, what can we look for? What can we expect? You know, what, you know, what, how do we know things are going your way? That sort of thing. And they'll give us insight and it's insight that they'd never give you as a reporter because they're like, wait, you don't need to know that. What do you get out on a MMA junkie? Like, you No, absolutely not. But when, they know you're part of the broadcast team and they understand that it just helps kind of, um, you know, us enhance what we're able to do in the broadcast. It's unique. So uh, it, it is fun because you start to see that extra layer of the fighter that maybe they weren't always willing to show you as a reporter. And you get to see that behind the scenes, you know, as far as the fight themselves, I, I still stay pretty true to, I think the action that, that I always have, you know, in, in what I've seen, but uh, it's kind of cool to see that extra layer of the, of, of the competitive athletes behind the scenes. So, Couple of questions. Um, uh, just a kind of a complete switch up, I guess here. One, why the blue polo at uh, at events, and two, why do you always get the first question? Yeah, the blue polo was kind of an accidental tradition. Um, but when my son uh, was was very very young, uh, my wife just happened to send a picture of him. I was at press row, and I just happened to be wearing a blue shirt that night, and uh, she sent me a picture of my son. Uh, touching the TV, like where I was with, with my blue shirt on. And I was like, Oh, I was like, I'm going to wear a blue shirt every fight night. So that when I'm out of town, when I'm gone, that, that my son can find me on TV. You can just look for the blue shirt right away and, and go, there's my dad. Um, and I never thought anybody would notice. I mean, in, in retrospect, I guess it's like, well, dude, you're, you're basically on TV at every single event every weekend. Yeah. People are going to notice, but it was really just something for me and my son so that he would be able to find me, you know, when I was away from home. Uh, so, and now it's just kind of become tradition. Now it's like my, uh, little avatar or whatever on social media. Cause I think it's kind of funny, but it started just as me and my son. And the, uh, the first question thing was kind of similar to be honest. Um, <laughs> the way, when we used to do these big press conferences, and we don't do quite as many of them anymore, but we would do these big press conferences. It basically just started as a mechanical because like Dana would get up to the, to the front and be like, Hey, who's got the first question and, and PR, you know, we'd all put our hands in the air and PR would have microphones. And they'd go, Oh, okay. Uh, here you go. And they pass the microphone down. There was just like this uncomfortable silence. And there was a couple of times where Dana would even be like, what nobody has any questions nobody has anything to ask it's like no we do we're just trying to get a damn microphone like hang on uh so finally one day dave schaller who actually i, I mentioned earlier he was like hey he's like that's just whole weird uncomfortable it's scrambling period they're like is it cool if i just hand you a microphone and you just start the press conference off and i was like yeah of course absolutely and so just kind of start as that and then i think uh you know doing things for for 15 years all of a sudden you know you just start going well that's that's just the way we do it. John's John opened up the press conference. So uh, it started out as kind of just a silly little mechanical thing. And I think at this point it's just, it's kind of tradition, I guess. I mean, I, I don't, not my place to say it's tradition, but everybody seems okay with it. So we go with it. All right. Well, that'll do uh, for us here. Where can people find you on social media, John? Yeah, definitely. I'm not the greatest all the time, but hit me up at Twitter at MMA Junkie John. I try to get back to everybody, but I just get swamped sometimes. I'm also uh, John Morgan MMA on, uh, on on Instagram as well. And uh, and check out check out the podcast, the MMA Roadshow. If you haven't listened to it before, uh, me and my man Ken Hathaway, aka Cold Coffee, we just sit down, just have a few frosty beverages. Uh, it was the MMA Roadshow because it seemed like we were on the road every week uh, covering USC events. It's a lot of the MMA home show these days with COVID-19, but we're still giving you some uh, some behind the scenes and uh, sharing some of our experiences of covering MMA. Well, John, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Dan and I both appreciate it very much. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, and we'll see you guys next time.